Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Annette. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl escaped fast and far and Anne has changed me what I see in her is obvious what she sees in me hmm that's a little more puzzling one two three four everybody you were just listening to the trailer for annette and the story is as follows henry is a stand-up comedian with a fierce sense of humor who falls in love with anne a world-renowned opera singer under the spotlight they form a passionate and glamorous couple with the birth of their first child a mysterious little girl with an exceptional destiny their lives are turned upside down the film is starring adam driver marion cotillard and simon helberg it is written and directed by leos carax and it is co-written by ron mail and russell mail here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Nicole Ackman. So may we start? So may we start? <laughs> Will Mavity. Oh, God. I was going to try to do my Adam Driver voice, but my vocal cords aren't feeling it today. Hi. Amanda Spears. So shall we start? So shall we start? I'm, I'm like inclined to have to reply with that if it, every time somebody says it. Casey Lee Clark. Baby Annette. Oh, God. <laughs> Dan Bear. High time to start. All right. So if you guys couldn't guess right now by hearing all of us in the beginning, we love each other so much. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. All right. In trying to do our best to talk about this movie, this crazy wacky wild ride from the brilliant mind of Leos Carax. I mean, we are at a point where I've read articles about this movie. I've seen reactions to it. I've watched video essays. I still can't possibly 
begin to nail this film down. But at the same time, I don't want to make it sound like this is some complicated puzzle that needs to be untangled. The story of Annette is actually very, very simple. It's just more about the audacity and the bombastic spectacle that Laos Carax throws at the viewer while watching this. So it's going to be a, very interesting to hear what everyone thinks of this one. It premiered at the Cannes uh, International Film Festival earlier this year. It is now currently streaming on Amazon Prime. So may we start indeed with... I want to hear from Will Mavity first. Will, what did you think of Annette? <laughs> oh, man. How did I draw the short straw? Uh, yeah, this was not my type of film. Totally, yeah. You know, we always talk about it's it's clear that there's a Mavity, or there's a Schwartz film, there's a Neglia film. I don't know what a Mavity movie is, but it's not this. I'm always down for a good musical, but with the exception of the opening song, the songs are utterly forgettable and don't really feel they don't really justify this film's existence as a musical. Um, I thought Adam, as always, was giving 110 percent. I mean, he does give an incredible performance, as always. But um, there's individual aspects that I respected. Some of the cinematography is nice. You know, it's it's certainly unique. But uh, it was just not for me. Sure, sure. I mean, the film did get a divided response over at Cannes. Of all places, the place where you would think that that movie would get, like, rapturous applause. Uh, so it's not surprising to hear that we're definitely going to get a range of reactions on this review. Uh, let's kick it over next to Casey Lee Clark. Oh, we're going to get polar opposites, truly. <laughs> so I... I'm a big Sparks fan. I was already getting into them before the documentary came out, and that kind of just pushed everything over the edge. Uh, I'm also a fan of Leos Carax. I think Holy Motors is a pretty perfect movie. So I was very excited for this. I love Adam Driver, and I fucking love this movie. <laughs> oh, boy. I know it doesn't work for everybody. I'm well aware. But some I, from that opening number that just like sent an electricity through my body. I just fell in love with it. I, I love all the songs and that maybe because I've listened to the soundtrack and watched the movie twice. I think it's great. I think there's a lot of very interesting spectacle. I like how bold it is and how it doesn't give a flying fuck what anybody thinks and is just going for it. I think Adam driver is incredible. I think Marion Cotillard is great. Even I thought I loved it after seeing it in the theater on opening day, but even rewatching it at home, I ended up liking it even more. I think knowing what to expect, having listened to the soundtrack, I could pick up so many more details. I'm aware that this doesn't work for everybody. If somebody's like, no, I don't like this. It didn't work for me. I completely get it. But for me, it really worked. All right. Amanda Spears. I'm kind of in the middle because I feel like we get so many formulaic movies that I appreciate that this was trying to do something. Mm -hmm. But I have a problem with, if you're going to do an operatic rock musical, even if you're going to sing 90% of the time, you really got to have someone who can sing. And I kind of had problems with Adam Driver's voice at certain points in this. Oh, I'll get into that a little bit later on specifically, because I'm kind of right there with you. <laughs> uh, production design Simon Helberg was like, I, I think, best in show. We can talk about that a little bit. But 
There were a lot of aspects about this I liked. And I liked seeing something that was completely original. Yep. Definitely original, all right. Uh, passing over next to Dan Baer. I, uh, so when I initially saw this, I did not know what to think about it. Usually when I have to write reviews for the site, I write them pretty much like right away after I see them. And then you like take time to edit, but I will start writing right away because, you know, the thoughts are there and they have to get out. But with this, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I I sat on this and thought about it for like a week before I started writing. And even then, sorry, Matt, it was only because I had to. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm not holding it against you. I did not know what to make of it. I thought that there was like every time I was like, nope, uh-uh, I can't with this movie. Leos Carax would do something that would pull me back into it. And I was in love with it again for another five minutes. And then I would slowly fall out of love. And then the process would start all over again. But I was very resistant to rewatching it because the overall impression that the movie left in my head, even though I liked it and appreciated it, the overall impression that I had of it was as a very, uh, as a more negative experience. It was very a frustrating movie for me. So I didn't want to watch it again. But I did, and my overall impression was much more positive the second time around. I still have a lot of problems. I think that if you're going to have a very small cast like this, having your main character be so hateful and repellent is not the best choice, especially if your movie is going to be almost two and a half hours. Um, and I do think that the songs are mostly not good, although they work as as a whole piece. I think it works, but the individual songs are I, sorry, Sparks fans, but I don't get it. But the parts that are good about it are like all time great. The opening scene is fantastic. The climactic scene on the boat in a storm is one of the best scenes of the year. I think the last scene is just kiss perfect. But the things that are bad about it, while they didn't leave as sour a mouth, as sour a taste in my mouth this second time through, for me, they're still too overwhelming for me to wholeheartedly recommend it to people. But I do think it's a very interesting movie and leaves a lot to talk about. So I'm very excited for this. All right. And to cap us off here, Nicole Ackman. This movie is weird. There's no way around that. <laughs> and I think it's the kind of thing that for a lot of people, it won't work for them. But if it does work, this is exactly the kind of weird that I like. I have now seen this movie twice. I've probably listened to this soundtrack already like two dozen times, if not more. And the more I think about this movie, the more that I like it. I love to see something that's daring and that takes risks. I love to see an original movie musical. And I particularly think that a lot of movie musicals that we get sort of fit into a certain mold. And I love to see one that definitely breaks out of that. I also... Honestly, uh, really love this kind of 
puppet that is used in this movie. And I think that's a brilliant choice how they do all of that. I think it's so creative. And I think that the performances all around are really great, which we can get into that later. But I was so impressed by the whole cast. This is honestly one of my favorite movies of the whole year. This movie is like the very definition of like a swing and a miss or a swing and oh, that shouldn't have connected. But somehow we scored a triple or a double. Like, (laughs) I can't even say that it's necessarily a home run, but it's like one of those things that really should not work. And if it does work for you, great. If it doesn't work for you, that's kind of to be expected. I I really haven't seen anything this polarizing since uh, David Lynch, you know, made something like Inland Empire. Uh, But at the same time, I know that that's kind of hyperbolic because let's face it, there have been a lot of movies in between then. But you get my point here is that this movie is really, really committed to what it's trying to do. And it's really going for it. Never once, not once, not a single time, That whole meme, nobody, nobody at all. I never understood why this movie had to be nearly two and a half hours long for the story that it is trying to tell. It makes absolutely no sense. The story for this movie is incredibly simplistic. And it does have a small cast, as mentioned earlier. Thank God for Adam Driver's commitment to the lead role. Yes, he's not the best singer in the world. There are some scenes that are just cringy as hell to listen to, especially when they're doing dialogue as song. It just does not ring true, and it just sounds really awkward at times. But he's so incredibly physical with what he's doing with the live stage performances and realistically like every scene honestly his deterioration mentally as the story progresses um and that final scene as dan mentioned before is i think one of the best scenes of the year so there are like these sprinkles of greatness that are all throughout annette at the same time i cannot deny that it just felt like a waste of time for me at, at, at moments and I know Will probably can appreciate you know yes like there are these really really cool editing transitions there's some clever camera work going on like there's a lot of stuff to kind of keep you invested so you're never feeling bored but the story is lacking and I feel like that sense of style is trying so desperately to make up for it it's hard to argue with that really I think that Leos to the extent that this movie works, it is all because Leos Carax is just going for broke and pulling out every tool in his bag of tricks. Every scene is practically another cinematic trick that he's busting out of the box to see how he, what he can do with it. And that is thrilling most of the time. I mean... I would argue that there is maybe a method to the madness here in regards to what the story is ultimately about. We have this stand-up comedian who's doing these performance pieces of stand-up comedy as a as theater. It's like it's like Bo Burnham pretty much uh, right before our very eyes. And in that regard, I do think that there is this meta quality to what Leos Carax is doing as a showman. And what like kind of showing off with what he can do technically as a director while also using that to mask that he's not really filled with that many brilliant ideas and he's incredibly flawed at the same time, just like this lead character is. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt, that I think it I think it really starts to feel its runtime. Oh, yeah. I mean, like um, Marion Cotillard exits the movie, you know, spoiler alert, what, an hour in and we still have like an hour and 15 left. Yeah, well, it, she doesn't exit exit. But... Uh, true, true. You know what I, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like I started to feel it, Amanda, like in that second half, especially. And I think that's because the opening number is so energizing and it's such a great uh, opening, not just with the music, but also too hearing uh, the director writer of this movie tell the audience breathing will not be tolerated. <laughs> like, I love that so much. Being in a movie theater and hearing that like over the speakers, that is that that is that is a cinematic experience right in, there in and of itself. Truly. And and that's him and that's him in the scene. That's him with mm-hmm. the sparks. I, I I love that quality of it. That that's so well done. I think. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I had problems with with La La Land was like I was so invested after the first number that it kind of lost me. It takes a while to get back into mm-hmm. the momentum of it, especially if you're not like uh, jiving with what Adam Driver is doing in his extended monologues up on the stage. Uh, where he's talking about how he's like making people laugh is like a disgusting, deceitful trick. And there's just all this like self-deprecating humor going on and all of this like <sighs> calling attention to like the phoniness of people who seek entertainment uh, from artists. And like I, th- this movie has so many ideas in it that it does lose track, I think, of what it is ultimately trying to say, because it's one of those things where it feels like it's saying a lot, but saying very little at the same time. I'm actually not sure that it does know what it wants to say. So it's kind of like just word vomit. And I think that it's most it's mostly apparent in those stand up comedy scenes. It just like the, first of all, like the first time I saw this, those scenes were just like death to me. They went on forever. And I'm like, what is the point? Because yeah, Adam Driver is brilliant in those scenes and he's fantastic at creating this hateful character. But like, it was very hard to tell what the movie was doing. And I think it's because it's really clear that the writers or maybe the director, like that they don't, they don't like stand up comedy, but they haven't quite pinned down why or what about it they don't like. I think there's actually some really interesting commentary on here, uh, in here about sort of audiences and their relationship to artists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that we see that in the way that it's contrasted sort of his relationship with his audience versus hers with her audience. And also I, one of my favorite things about it is these like celebrity update bits. Yes, that showbiz, we get news. showbiz news. Showbiz news. With I love Jackie, so you love those. And I think it's really clever because it is commenting on the way that like they themselves as people have become this like commodified product Mm -hmm. to the public and how that sort of, you know, influences the way that their audiences interact with them and how their audiences expect something of them. And I think that, you know, then going on sort of as he he starts to have trouble in his career. And when the audience sort of turns on him and the way that that all works as well, I think it's really interesting. So I agree. Like, I don't think it's a film that like is setting out to make any big sort of huge overarching statements. I also don't think films need to, but I think there is some really interesting commentary in there on both that and on the sort of toxic masculinity that we see Henry sort of being the embodiment of. You don't think that that's a big enough statement? (laughs) 
I I mean, I think that there's some good commentary there, but I don't think it's the point of the movie and I don't think it needs to be per se. Yeah. I think that when it was talking about the this sort of toxic masochistic relationship between the performer and the audience. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. The movie had a lot of interesting things to say and a lot of interesting ways to say it, but I don't think it, I think it, it, the movie is trying to do too much. Yeah. That idea runs its way into the ground after a certain point. It sort of be after a while, it just diffuses and, becomes you know just another thing that the movie's doing on top of all these other things and i'm just like okay like when you were focused on that you were better (laughs) (laughs) than when you were trying to focus on all these other things too because there's also stuff about like the high art low art of opera versus stand-up comedy and how people react to that and then what baby annette does as kind of maybe this like middle ground between them but it's not fully developed enough to make me go ah yes and like have something to grasp onto and maybe that's the point maybe he doesn't want us to grasp onto anything because you know art is what the audience makes of it not what the creator is trying to say and maybe he's trying to he has something about that to say in there too and it it's just that it's a lot and I think the moments where the movie works best for me is when it's really focused on what it wants to say, because that seems to me when Carax is most dialed in. I mean, do you get the sense that there are like these meta contradictions uh, with Carax as a artist driver, as an artist and this story being about the things that you just said there, Dan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's meta to the point that like Holy Motors was, but sure. Definitely. Who who here watched this uh, without having seen Holy Motors? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, I have so much pity on all your souls. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because this is a, this is a rough movie to dive into without that appetizer. And uh, Holy Motors is actually not even an appetizer; it's a full course meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it worked for me. Like, I I do want to go back and watch Holy Motors now, but it doesn't start Adam Driver, Nicole. Forewarning. I yeah. Sad. <laughs> But no, like from the first 10 minutes of this movie, I was enthralled. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that the opening, like I said before, does a great job of hooking everybody. And uh, like to Amanda's point, it's just such a big, uh, bold, grand opening statement. And I I really was into, I would say probably, I I, honestly, I would say up until the ship scene uh, between Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard. Once that scene was over, drivers like on the shores of the beach and everything. And that's where the movie then started to lose me. But that's also when baby Annette comes into play. Oh God! And I felt like that was the only real interesting element to kind of grasp onto until we got to the end. My problem with driver. And I, I thought the end was a beautiful idea. I think the yeah. problem was driver doesn't have the vocal prowess mm-hmm. to pull this off. I mean, he can't really sing, but he's going for it. And I kind of commend him for that. I, I get that he's going for it and I commend him for going in for it. But I'm the whole time I'm thinking, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal really can sing. So someone I'm just saying someone who can sing, talk 
it's a lot more difficult than people really want to give you credit for. I mean, this is kind of like Russell Crowe and Les Mis, where I'm like, oh. It's nowhere near that. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. He came close at times. I can't watch He's not that bad. I get why she's saying that though, because I think that the parts where Adam Driver doesn't sound good in this movie are the parts where the song is it's just out of his range. You can hear him straining. And I think that was a similar problem with Russell Crowe and Les Mis. Yeah, that that's exactly what I know. Russell Crowe and Les Mis never had good moments. I mean, sure. (laughs) I was gonna say, like Adam had good material. I mean the musical itself usually I'm not gonna get into Les Mis, but anyways, I'm just saying, you know, for me I felt like his vocal I actually had to go all the way back and fast forward through the end of the of marriage story to hear him where he's in his register, in his vocal rank. And I remember thinking before this, he can sing or sing talk because of marriage story and being alive. And I was like, why did I think he could sing? And I'm like, oh, he's like an octave too high throughout this whole film. For one thing I will say, I read that they did do all of the singing live. And I do think that like you can tell in scenes where he is more focused on his acting often that's where his voice sort of goes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that is to the credit of it, is there is always an authentic feeling to the singing. Um, It doesn't have that put-on feel that some musicals can have, and I think that speaks to the fact that they're just actually singing. But at the same time, for me, it still works because she sounds so nice. And obviously they had a um, uh, someone doing the more operatic stuff for Marion Cotillard dubbing dubbing in uh, but she is doing some of the singing herself and she's an opera singer whereas for me whenever he then sounds bad he's a stand-up comedian he's also this sort of embodiment of all these bad traits to me it sort of works for the character that he often doesn't sound good but the scene where like it really 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 badly comes out is the pool scene with Simon Helberg so bad it's probably the worst scene in the whole movie I think it is, though, this character at his literal worst. Mm-hmm. Yes. Simon Hilbert's like, been killed, and he still sounds decently. As that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I just want to say, like, going from the Big Bang Theory, and I saw the trailer for this, and I'm like, is that Simon Hilbert? First time I didn't, until I saw his name, I was like, oh, my God. I, I personally thought he was the best in show as far as their singing and what he had to do. Totally agree. And will you excuse me a moment when he's conducting? You actually believe he is a conductor. He, The look he has, everything he did, the entire movie worked for me. I wish he had a little bit more to do. He should keep the beard. I love that his name is the conductor. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't have a name. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that scene at the pool, I, I just, man, everything about that started the ring very, very false to me. And I will give credit where credit's due. The opening number, we already mentioned it. We love each other so much is also kind of catchy and will definitely get stuck in your head whether you wanted to or not. Um, but there are other songs throughout this movie and there's quite a bit of them. And unless if you are like Casey Lee Clark, who has been listening <laughs> to the uh, soundtrack, I don't particularly think that many of the tracks are quote unquote memorable because they are honestly sound very pedestrian in terms of their lyrics and their melodies. A lot of them read together, I think. And I think part of that is 
you know, what you do with a completely sung through like light opera or operetta sort of thing. I mean, you could say the same thing about the umbrellas of Cherbourg, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure. And that has a lot of beautiful moments, but a lot of musical phrases that are equally forgettable. What I think this particular piece falls down on is the moments like that, like that pool scene you mentioned with between Adam Driver and Simon Helberg, where the recitative, which for non-music people is when you're like basically speak singing, staying on one note or between two notes and you're basically talking. Um, it's the recitative is not well done in this movie. And this is something that like Nicole, myself and five other people will get, but I kept wanting the Dave Malloy version of this music <laughs> yeah. instead of the Sparks version, because he knows how to do recitative right. And I do think, like you said, unless you're actually listening to the album, there's not a lot of things that are that memorable. I actually came out of it the first time I saw it thinking like, okay, there's a handful of songs that I like in it. I My favorite one is Stepping Back in Time, which is mm. the one that's almost at the end of it, which I think it's just in like the courtroom. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That scene. See, like, I don't even know what the song is until you say the scene it is set, okay. up, set well, up with. That's the one that I came out of it actually with it like stuck in my head. But I will say, having listened to the album now a bunch and having seen the movie a second time, the music has really grown on me. And I do like that it it does um, have a very coherent sound to it, which sounds like it would be an obvious thing, but a lot of musicals actually don't achieve that. And, you know, I don't think it's meant to be a big, flashy musical. It's, it's like Dan yeah. said, it's meant to be sort of a light opera and operetta type thing. And I think that it does well at what it's trying to be. See, my thing is, I, I once read that for a musical to be considered good, and this would fall into the category of a musical because they sing so much, you have to have one good song. For a musical to be great, you have to have two or three. And this, after the beginning, it takes a while to get back into it a little. I mean, I, I was laughing my ass off during the uh, Breathe In, Breathe Out uh, scene. I love so that. I, I was like, this is very simple. And it doesn't seem like a lot of thought was put into this, but damn, it's catchy. And it was kind of just making me giggle. And with that in mind, it's like nothing in this movie ever approaches like the level of complexity that I feel like we do see in modern uh, Broadway shows or even any Broadway shows for that matter, or, you know, well-known Broadway shows. Um, It's all just very simple in how it's all presented to the audience. But... Man, maybe maybe I do need to listen to the soundtrack on its own without the movie just to see if anything does kind of jump out at me. But it, it was very, very few and far in between. And I, I, I agree with Amanda. I think there's only one really good song, and that is the opening. Everything else is the range will vary. I want to hear what the Sparks fan has to say about the score. <laughs> I think it's great. Well, there you go. What else? What else was she gonna say? That's like asking Nicole, "What'd you think of Driver in this?" No, but it's like, what for us non-Sparks acolytes? Please, like, spread the gospel. What is this doing that is so attractive to you? Yeah, what makes what makes them excellent? I mean, I find their lyrics kind of interesting. No, it's not Sondheim, but like. I think they incorporate very interesting words. And I will also say, because you guys had seen your press screenings or screeners or whatever before I'd seen it and we had briefly talked about it. 
And you would mention like, oh, I hate the pool scene with Simon Hallberg. And I saw the movie. And I was like, I don't know what scene they're talking about. <laughs> and I saw it twice. And I still was like, what scene are you talking about? I mean, now I've figured it out. But I'm like, could not disagree. More. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a pinpoint exact reason why I like this music. You know, I find music is very subjective and you yeah. like it or you don't. And for me, I like how repetitive Sparks can be. I like the actual musical quality of it. There's some very instrumentation in the very last song and it's opening. There's like a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I like more of like the chorusy stuff, like that entire stand-up scene, that whole first one. I agree. Like the first time I saw it, it kind of felt too long, but I loved the, like the little background singers and like the audience, like interjections And I think the whole reason for that scene is to see him at his quote unquote best and why, and like his audience loving him so much so that when we get to that other scene and they fully do not like him, that like, it's so apparent and it's not just like, oh, he doesn't work for them. It's, oh, he's not working at all. No, it it was fine. Um, I think this is a film I would have enjoyed seeing on a big screen so that I could maybe appreciate the sound mix in a way that overwhelms me as opposed to through my tv christopher nolan agrees with you by the way yeah so i (laughs) you you know like i i mentioned i like a couple of the songs um i think some of them function okay in the context of the film but generally it was just kind of there for me and i do like something that stays with me i i also just finished watching the movie like 20 minutes before this started so i need to ruminate on it i'm probably gonna listen to them in the context of the soundtrack some mm-hmm. but yeah really beyond the uh the one towards the end and then we love each other and so may we start which i really did like yeah it's just kind of like to me so you know i gotta give credit to um the singer who does the voice of annette um i believe it is heb griffiths um actually it's marianne cotillard did the voice of baby annette oh really talking about the one who did um who did Anne's opera singing oh wow okay i didn't i didn't realize that was marianne cotillard Mm -hmm. there's like this strange otherworldly like hauntingly serene quality to it that really mystified me. Um, And I think that that's exactly the point as to why Annette becomes uh, such a sensation as she does. But the way that those scenes were executed with her on the stage, I I was really transfixed by what Carex was able to achieve there because it is such a bizarre choice. So bizarre to have this Pinocchio looking puppet be baby Annette. Uh, but at the same time, I couldn't believe that that actually worked for me at, once I got over the shock of it all. Yeah, did anyone else think that puppet was a little on the ugly side? I'm like, I that was the point. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it was a baby, like with the with giant the big ears. ears. Yeah. Okay, I gotta say, do you think they put they put those ears on it purposely because... um, Adam Driver? I mean, you ever seen Adam Driver with short hair? Oh, <laughs> absolutely did well, you know what was, you know what was more grotesque to me than anything about uh the puppet baby annette that birthmark on adam driver's face 
and it just growing and growing. Oh growing. my god, that was scarier to me than any horror movie I've seen like this year. His look at the end of the movie, I was like, oh, they he he wanted to go full ugly. Yeah, I literally got to the point where I was like, does he have a port wine stain there? Like, (laughs) what do you think that the uh, birthmark symbolizes? I don't know, maybe like a Macbeth type black spot of guilt. Yeah, that would make sense. I like that. Yeah, I was thinking about like his evil or something like that. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. And I think it's interesting, too, that we also see his hair get shorter over the course of the film. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, which has a very samson maybe sort of i don't know uh thing to it that as he sort of descends into this evilness and this bad side the you know the abyss if you will this mark comes out his hair gets shorter he starts to sort of lose everything that was appealing about him in the beginning and i i think that's really interesting and i i also just gotta say i actually think the decision to use the puppets in this for baby annette is one of the most brilliant decisions that the whole film makes. I think that for one thing, it gets them out of having to work with kids at those ages. And it's an easy way to show the passage of time because we're able to see Annette at several different sort of stages. But also I think that having Annette be a literal puppet when she is metaphorically a puppet for her parents the entire mm-hmm. film, yeah, her entire existence, yeah. really, that we see her. And then that final, which, like, I mean, can I spoil this? Like, I mean, I, I let me put it to you this way. I think anyone that's listening right now has yeah. watched the film <laughs> because okay. if you're not on this wavelength, you've shut this movie off. <laughs> I want to make sure. I want to make sure. Um, but so then whenever we finally see her as a literal child in the ending scene, and it's our first time seeing Annette, not the puppet of her parents, but Annette, the actual person. And it's Henry's first time seeing his daughter, not as a puppet, but as a person. And he's kind of flabbergasted by her. And that child is insanely good uh, in this role. She just blows me away every time I, I see it. I think it's, there's something really astounding about that. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. I loved the choice to use a puppet for it. And I think that the movie uses 
artificiality of cinema in really interesting ways, and I think that's one of them. Although there was one scene where Marion Cotillard is singing to her and like swinging her around, and the movie is so wild and bold and doing a lot that I was convinced at some point, like, she's just going to, like, let go and the baby is just going to fly away. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, and it wouldn't have seemed so out of place because I mean, she gets flown in by drones into the hyperball. Yeah. But, yes, that moment in the final scene where we see Annette, a human child, the first time I saw it, like, took my breath away. Mm -hmm. And that kid is fantastic yeah it's a shame she has to sing opposite somebody who can't no because she i think totally outshines him in that scene yeah, yeah. i mean i i just feel like it, he detracts from her he steals attention because his voice starts breaking and not in a way it should break i was focused on her that whole scene because she's so good well i've and- seen it twice and both times it just kind of took me out of it there are other scenes where Adam Driver's voice did take me out of it a lot, but then, like, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, there is also a scene where he literally only comes up to sing from eating out Marion Cotillard. Oh, yeah. And I, even more than like, that is the, yes. the sex <laughs> shot of them singing while, like, guys screaming. Yep. Scream. yep. yep. Yeah, I was like a little surprised the the uh, normally pretty strict MPA let that one pass, honestly, because it's like pretty realistic. Yeah, by <laughs> the standards of what they usually allow. Yeah, I'll tell you the scene I didn't like of uh, the scene I would cut out of this is where he goes trolling for women in the bars and he just does not pull it off. Oh, I love that scene mostly because Adam Driver singing "Am I Handsome?" No, <laughs> <laughs> I liked um. One moment I liked relating to the sex scenes, I thought the uh, the cut he does of where Adam's going down and Marion and she throws her head back and like moans and then pulls her head back up and it's in the middle of childbirth. I thought that was really cool. That was really well done. I also really like the crossfade editing the show, The Passage of Time, of him getting into the bed, laying in the bed. And there was some very, very interesting editing work going on there. Uh, to your point, Will, that... Uh, all these, all these neat little cinematic tricks were keeping me glued to the television screen or to the cinema screen, however you chose to watch this, and I couldn't look away. That was the thing, is that even when the movie was losing me, the music or a strange choice or something just very bold with the uh, filmmaking, something would pull me back in. Um, I can't ever really say that the story itself was ever holding me in its grasp, like I said before, I do not I do not understand why this movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But I can't say that I was ever bored watching it. No. I definitely can't say that. Yeah. Um, I feel like we are I feel like we're like into final thoughts like already territory. So ah. why don't I pass it to uh, Dan after he just made that noise? Dan, final thoughts on Annette. I have so many thoughts. I love how at the very end of the opening number, as Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard are going to their vehicles to drive away, which they drive away in opposite directions, they are handed props and costumes to get into mm-hmm. character. Yeah. Yeah, they're handed their wigs. <laughs> I love the um, short scene of Adam Driver 
prepping for the comedy show where it looks like he's getting ready for a boxing match. Oh, backstage. Like, like, yeah, like he's preparing to do battle. And again, that's sort of like played into this dynamic. And I love this, that exchange they have when he meets her outside of her first show in the, in the film. And she asks, you know, how did it go? And he says, I killed them. I murdered them whatever and she uh, and he asks her how hers was and she says i saved them and i think that is so interesting and i would watch a whole movie just about that like the relationship between a stand-up comedian and opera singer i think that there's a lot of fertile ground there and i wish this movie did more with that but it has other things on its mind and that's okay the scene that you were talking about matt where it's it's almost it's slow motion or crossfades or something but he's tossing and turning in bed and when he touches her she's pregnant when he touches her belly you hear the sonogram heartbeat yeah on the soundtrack love it literally adam driver eating out marion Cotillard and then only coming up to sing is cinema <laughs> period <laughs> I, there's teeth. just there are there are so many directorial grace notes in this i love how when baby Annette gets born, usually the first thing that happens is you hear a baby cry. But in this, it's that the lights go out when she's born and we see everything in backlight. I love that. Something that I just really wanted to discuss with everybody is the the news clip that Marianne Cotillard sees in the back of her car, the Me Too thing. Oh, the dream, yeah. Well, but is it a dream or is it no. not? And I don't like that it's sort of there and then literally never brought up again. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think the reason why it's a dream for me at least. And that's why like, she just seems so afraid of him. And and then like the next time she sees him, like in the movie is when he comes home after she's been spinning a net around and then it's them on the boat. Well, in that case, he's drunk. (laughs) Well, Yeah. Drunk out but of even, mind, literally. But even then, you could tell she's like, why am I here? I don't feel safe. Uh, Dan, actually, he's he's not that drunk. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that drunk. <laughs> well, that's what he says. <laughs> I don't know if you caught it. I don't know if he no. said it enough times. Uh, <laughs> also, he goes, he sings that song at the top of what I would think if this was a actual show would be the top of the second act. Sing the whole song about like how I'm a good father. I'm a good <laughs> father. And I'm like, are you though? Like you were literally smoking and drinking while holding a baby, your baby, in one hand. That doesn't seem like responsible parenting. To father me. of the year. That depends on the decade. Uh, fair fair, Amanda (laughs) that is fair I do think Adam Driver as an actor is really incredible in this he is so dialed into this character and what is going on within him and it's like when he's on stage doing his performance especially he seems almost possessed no matter what mode he's in if he's in that sort of slouchy mumbly mode that i hate even in that point he seems like possessed by something and it's really really great except that scene (laughs) by the pool where he is planning to kill simon helberg it is bad 
it's just it, it it's bad it doesn't sound good it doesn't help that that's probably one of the worst written scenes in the movie but he's not selling it he's not even playing drunk well like he was earlier in the movie i just don't i don't get it i don't think it's good and i people who were who praise him in this movie you are no longer allowed to make any slander about Ryan Gosling's performance in La La Land. Except that I think Adam Driver's giving a good acting performance here. Well, I think Ryan Gosling is giving an equally good performance in La La Land, but whatever. What if I think you're both wrong? (laughs) (laughs) Both could be true. (laughs) Simon Holberg's, I'm calling them his musical monologues, are... So fantastic. Like those are mm-hmm. virtuosic performances. Amen. It is very clearly music. Like he has notes that he's hitting with each of those syllables are notes in a score, but it is so tricky with the way they fit into the music. And I think that is really him playing the piano in the yeah. first because he's a piano player. Like standing ovation the second one in particular where it's that one camera movement that goes around him as he's conducting and the constant like breaking for excuse me a second i like wanted to stand and applaud when that was done i really. never really agree with you 100 percent, but i agree with you 100 <laughs> on, on simon halbert brilliant performance brilliant directing for that scene wow i love annette's little stuffed monkey <laughs> Where can I get one? I, <laughs> I, I love how she just like drags it with her all the time. It's so cute. I had that written down. And I was like, no one's going to mention this. No one's going to mention the stuffed monkey. <laughs> well, I have thoughts, but I'll get to them after dance. <laughs> the puppeteering with, with the baby nut is so brilliant. I think especially in the last scene of the movie, but... I, one of the things that sort of gets me about this movie is I feel so much more for a puppet that has no lines of dialogue than I do for any of the flesh and blood humans in this movie. And the thing that did it for me at her big performance at the Hyper Bowl, when she puts her hands up to cover her face, <laughs> sorry, like I was totally, she was imbued with the spirit of life at that moment. I don't know. And I love the announcer at the Hyper Bowl. Yes. Um, everything he says, literally every line he says, but especially when he's like, it's okay. Baby Annette is a baby after all. <laughs> turns up the microphone, turns to Adam Driver. What the fuck is this little bitch doing? I laughed out loud. I love the sassiness of child Annette. When she asks Adam Driver at the end, and you can't kill here, can you? Oh, yeah. It's a joke. (laughs) And he's like, maybe you are my daughter after all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really, really love when she says to him in that last scene, but now you have nothing to love. Yeah. I love you. No, not really. I, I can't even... I don't think that I can explain exactly what those lines mean, but I know that they get the right in the gut and it works on like this emotional level. Well, I think that's like speaking to his fragile ego and his narcissism. I I think it's doing a couple of things. I think part part of it is that part of it is he just can't love. 
I think that's what she's trying to say. Like, you can't, you may not be capable of love right now. Um, I think the other part is like, just no, because I'm my mother. Yeah. The combination of my mother and you, and you can't love her because you hate her because of what you did to her. And you also can't love yourself. There, there's a lot happening. Um, <laughs> just There's a lot in this movie. I feel like even the moments when it is very almost minimalistic and not much is happening with the music or the characters, Carax is going for broke. He's going all out. He's throwing everything he has in this movie. It's really stunning, except that just like I hate Henry McHenry so much that every moment spent with him, I, I just like am screaming at the screen, like, get off, get out, go, leave. I find him so repellent. And the thing is, Adam Driver has so much charisma that he sort of swings the movie every time he's on screen, even just in the background or doing not very much. He swings the movie back into his orbit. And I'm just like, no, I hate you. And everything that your character is doing, please stop it. And I think that's my ultimate problem with this movie is that I think they went too far with that character. You can, you can have an, anti-hero or unlikable protagonist that's fine but i think that they just go too far and adam driver is too good (laughs) but i do like the sort of like carnival-esque tone that the music takes in the second half and sort of has this dark carnival kind of gothic feel to it that ups the mysteriousness and ups the sort of wonder when baby annette does start to sing i think that's really good and the final shot with puppet Annette and the monkey on the floor. Thoughts? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're gonna we're gonna speak now. <laughs> <laughs> you? What? I said it. There are so many more things to talk about. I I, I just hey, listen. So may we start? <laughs> I I think that that final shot of the puppet line discarded on the floor like that. I think it's symbolic of his daughter discarding her relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I took of it. I don't remember for the life of me who wrote this article. I'm pretty sure I read it in an article. I want to say it was Vulture about the ending. And in it, they were talking about the symbolism of the monkey being how Annette sees her father. Mm-hmm. Because in the show, he's the ape of God. And there's that one scene when he's babysitting her where he becomes an ape holding her mm-hmm. and there's I, all these monkeys around them and she's always carrying it around. And then at the end she leaves it there. There's probably more to that, but that's, yeah. God, this movie is fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's doing a lot and I really do love so much of what it's doing. But when it gets to the end, I just, even though I liked it better the second time, it is very much a movie. I sort of admire and appreciate a lot more than I like or enjoy. And I think that part of it is like Carrick's style and what he's doing with it. It's very much like it's big and bold and look at me to the point where I almost feel like it's pushing me back from the movie. It's pushing me away to like be like stand and look at this shrine to cinema. Look at me and 
tremble in awe. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is wonderful. And bravo, applause to the fantastic job you're doing. But I feel very emotionally disconnected, even though that last scene is so well done. It still doesn't land, I think, the way it's supposed to. I, I, I maintain that if this movie was anywhere from 90 to 115 minutes, all of these themes and all of the symbolism and everything that we're talking about right now, I think it would have hit even harder. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Will Mavity, final thoughts. Obviously, Dan has spent a lot of time marinating it over this film, and I think he touched on a lot of what just didn't quite vibe for me. And I do echo that there's a lot I respect about it. Um, you know, you mentioned kind of the gothic elements and some of the more surreal parts. I liked little things like the um, the imagery of them on the boat with the kind of intentionally bad green screen work going on there. Oh, yes. So and how like there's more and more real water coming on them as the scene goes on. Yeah, I thought that scene was so really well interestingly executed. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of individual things in there. And I, I think, Matt, you're exactly right. You know, cut an hour off of this thing and suddenly it's just, it's more fun to watch because you're right, the film's not boring, but it is entirely too long. And I was never bored, but I definitely wanted it to be over. Mm. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a better movie buried in there for sure. But my rating will probably end up being better than you guys expect when I see it. It's I, I respect Carex as a filmmaker. I just pretty clearly tell what he's doing is not for me. I mean, this is his first English language feature. So, you know, we'll see obviously what he delivers in the future. If he, you know, goes back to this or maybe if he'll uh, go back to, you know, his native language, who knows? But in any event, uh, it was definitely a departure to say the least uh, with his, trademark cinematic style amanda final thoughts i I like the ending with the lanterns and seeing all the puppets and the puppeteers holding them just to see everyone happy together again i don't know why adam driver and the special thanks because i watched the entire credits he thanked chris rock i don't think of chris rock as a maniac on stage like he's not rolling around or i I don't get the connection there and i i I agree simon helberg best in show and i also agree with you matt Shave 20, 30 minutes out of this. There's a great film in there. Casey Lee Clark. <laughs> um, I think it's also, there's a lot of interesting things like with color symbolism. I don't know if symbolism, but like characters like almost have colors associated with like, like Henry has that very distinct green, yeah, the green. of his robe. It's also his leather jackets used so much in the lighting. And then I almost associate her with more of that red of like her apple and like her fiery hair. And sometimes he wears a red shirt. Like he's wearing a red shirt in We Love Each Other So Much. And like one other time when it's like inherently about her, I think on the boat, he's, or no, 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 he's wearing blue. Never mind. But it's one of the things where like he's only ever associated with red if it's like about her or love. I found that interesting. Same with like their house is a lot of like primary colors and like at least in like jewel tones of them, but still like. There, I think I found that interesting, and especially on a second viewing, I almost like was picking out like in each individual shot, almost of like things are there with purpose. Think like I'm like, what does this mean? Why is these colors being used with what? Like, 
in the We Love Each Other So Much scene, she's wearing a blue lace shirt with a yellow skirt. And on in her last scene on the boat, she's wearing a blue shirt with a yellow lace skirt. I don't know if that's intentional, but I noticed it. <laughs> I made a lazy comparison earlier in this review to David Lynch. And now you know why I like the movie. <laughs> I, I, I think what that, what that was born out of, though, was that similar quality, Casey, of when I watch a David Lynch film where I, too, am like, man, this is so strange. But damn, I know it has purpose. And famously, you know, Lynch has never <laughs> publicly confirmed any of the uh, any of his intentions in, in his movies. But at the same time, you have to believe as you're watching something that it does have some sort of meaning to it. It can't be just random. It, it can't be. And I, I don't think it is with this film at all, at all. Yeah, and I think a lot of it at its core is about that messaging of Annette as this puppet of like how people can, you know, puppeteer and treat their children like puppets to perform and, you know, like some type of commentary on like child stars or child prodigies and like how toxic people can like manipulate and exploit their children. And there's a lot going on. (laughs) There's a lot going on. I won't sit here and say that it's perfectly put together. I'm not going to say that it's a perfect screenplay (laughs) and structure. I will at least concede to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it can also extend beyond just children. Um, I think that anyone who gets in, you know, the entertainment business of some form or another, usually their friends want to be a part of their success or be a part of their circle or just something. And that exploitation that we're talking about before, especially when it comes to uh, children and their parents, um, I think that we I think that that's a very Honestly, a very selfish human act that happens all too commonly. Nicole Ackman. So I just have to say that one of the funniest things about this movie for me is the amount of people who reached out to me after seeing it to be like, oh, you're not going to be okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've got to give him a shout out. Josh Parham said that he spent most of the movie thinking about how I would need uh, medical attention afterwards. <laughs> and the thing about that is everyone was right. Um, I know that this isn't a perfect film and I won't pretend that it is, but I admire so much about this film. Like I said before, I love to see a movie taking risks like this. And I think that if they pay off for you, then they pay off. And this is exactly the kind of weird that like really does work for me it reminds me of several of my favorite uh stage musicals both in some of the sort of gothic-y sounds that it uses and the music and and the puppet work and you know some of just the overall tone of it it is the weirdest movie to try to recommend to someone i wouldn't recommend it to most people unless i feel very confident that their tastes align with mine But that said, I do think it's a movie that, like, you know, it is worth people giving a a try to because it is so different. And I think it's so nice to see something this unique and original right now, especially in terms of movie musicals, which often are not that. So I think, you know, performances are stunning. The scene on the boat on their yacht is my favorite scene from any movie thus far this year. And I'm just in awe of how much there is to unpack in this film. All right. With all that said, all that out of the way, only thing left are the grades and the Oscar potential. 
great for me with this movie as many flaws as I've pointed out here I still strangely felt myself getting seduced by this movie I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 7 out of 10 in the end Uh, it is also my kind of weird Nicole I will freely admit (laughs) to that Amanda I agree I like weird I appreciate that while not everything worked for me it tried it tried to give us something completely unique and original. And for that, I'm going to give it a strong 7 out of 10. Casey Lee Clark. I see people's qualms. I Some of them I can see and go, that doesn't bother me. Others I don't see at all. But I just fell in love with this movie. It's my favorite of the year so far. 9 out of 10. Ooh, <laughs> strong. Wow. All right. I was tinkering with it on the first viewing in the theater. And the second time yesterday, I just confirmed it. Yeah. Will Mavity. I hate this movie so much. <laughs> no, it, um, you know, there's enough individual elements that I respect that I can't trash it. Everything has a purpose. It's it's a five out of ten. You know, I, I don't think it works together as a whole, but there's a lot I admire about it, and I'll take a million movies like this over something that's generic and corporately produced. So, you know, five out of ten. Amen to that. Dan Bear. I went back and forth on this a lot, um, especially since I did like it more the second time I watched it. <sighs> but the thing I keep coming back to is the end. I think it takes a lot of big swings. And while a lot of them do hit, too many of them miss. And while the great parts are really, really great, the things that are bad are so bad at least for me so i'm sticking with my original grade of a seven out of ten and finally nicole ackman i love this movie so much uh but i do see that it has some flaws so i'm a strong eight out of ten i do wonder if a third watch could actually put me into nine territory as i continue to sort of unpack everything in it but at least for now i'm an eight All right, and when it comes to the awards potential for Annette, you know, I've been thinking about this more than I probably should (laughs) because, quite frankly, it just feels like, no, they would never. They'll never do that. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Get one nomination, But if it does get one nomination, it's going to be for Best Original Song for So May We Start. And I want it to happen so badly. I do, too. It's actually something that I am going to be actively campaigning for this award season. And you know it would be a great way to start the Oscars. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if Adam Driver is nominated and he's at the show. Oh, it would be fantastic. Well, I think also with um, the Sparks Brothers documentary being so well-received and, like, them being out, like on the press circuit for that as well and people loving them there's no new songs for that so that kind of gives you like a window into you know at least nominating to honor like them having a great year and i think also the song works out of context it's the opening of the film i think it could happen i'm I'm putting it in my 10 i'm not fully predicting it but i would love it to happen i think the one other place it could get a nomination and it would have to land at BAFTA would be original screenplay because if they are looking for original, you know, better or worse, this was original. But it has to be original that has broad appeal, though. Yeah. Well, for example, even something as kooky and crazy as, like, say, The Lobster, 
that was still a very well received film with yeah, high critical cool. scores, uh, a lot of enthusiasm. This is very divisive, and it's getting dropped early. And I mean, that's yeah. the thing. You know, it's yeah. everyone's talking about it now, but I don't think it's going to maintain buzz and stay in the conversation until what February for nominations. I I agree, but there was one other element that it, it's like five percent chance, maybe even less than five percent. And that is uh, Leos Carax being that international director. I went back and no. forth on that mm-hmm. a lot because the best director win out of Khan says something. This is very much the type of movie that wins the best director prize at Khan for better and worse. But in the end, I just don't think that this is going to be able to sustain the momentum as the bigger, more awards-focused movies that we get at the end of the year will come in yeah, and, and overtake that, it. That foreign director nominee that we've seen in the last couple of years is usually attached to one of the international feature films. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he could get that spot. I, I, I mean, I could see maybe like a weird one-off production design nomination, but that would be near to impossible. That would actually be fun. and. You, if we'd have to see if it makes the bake off, but giving it a visual effects nomination for the work no. with it and removing those puppeteers, I don't know about that either. I, I mean, like all I'm will, all all I'm willing to go so far as to say at this point is Adam Driver's presence with this movie helps him for a nomination elsewhere, but he's not going to be in anyone's conversation for this. Watch this though be his actual best performance of the year. Yep. <laughs> That's, That's what I expect. He awards attention for the other ones. Yeah. We'll see. I'm just saying if they wanna if they wanna, you know, campaign this movie, keep it in everyone's minds, if they wanna send out little stuffed monkeys to everybody. How about the green robes? How about a green All right. Well, that'll do it for our podcast review of Annette here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Nicole Ackman, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the Internet. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16. Will Mavity. Find me on Twitter. Amanda Spears. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Amanda Spears. Casey Lee Clark. You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. And Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.